Amen. All right, well, we're there in Ephesians chapter number three. And of course, on Wednesday nights, we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Ephesians. And tonight, we're going to finish Ephesians chapter number three. And I'll try to do it as quickly as, as I can, all right? Uh, but uh, the, the, the end of this chapter is actually the end of a section uh, in this book. You, you may remember when we started Ephesians, I told you, uh, that when Paul writes letters, he generally does them in uh, two sections. And the first part of, his sec- of, of, of the letters he writes, the first section of those letters, is usually heavy on theology. It's uh, a lot of uh, doctrine and teaching and uh, things like that. And then the second part is uh, usually heavy on application. You'll find that in Paul's uh, letters. If you read the book of Romans, you'll find that the first part of Romans is it's a lot of theology, and then the end of Romans is very practical. Ephesians is the same way. The first three chapters are pretty deep theology, just kind of teaching on doctrine, and then the, the last uh, few chapters are very practical. He talks about marriage and uh, parenting. He talks about spiritual warfare and things like that. At the end of chapter number three, we're actually closing out a section of this book, which is why it ends uh, the, the way it does. If you notice there, uh, verse number 21, the last verse in chapter three, it says, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all uh, ages, world without end. Amen. And then chapter four begins, I therefore the prisoner, and he kind of begins again. We're closing out this section. And what we're really going to look at in the end of this chapter, because we went through uh, verses 1 through 11 last time we were in Ephesians. Today we're going to go, tonight we're going to go through verses 12 through 21. And the end of this chapter is really a benediction, kind of ending this section of Ephesians. And maybe you're not familiar with that word, but a, a benediction is an utterance or a bestowing of blessings, especially at the end of a religious service, uh, a devout or formal invocation of blessedness. Uh, So basically, a benediction is something you kind of do at the end where you are ending something and you're kind of blessing the people as they go or as they end. That's really what Paul is doing at the end of this chapter. He's giving uh, benediction to kind of end this section. He's going to start a new section that's going to be very practical. And in that benediction, he lists... Uh, several blessings that you and I have as a result of our salvation and as a result of being uh, in Christ. So what I want to do tonight is I want to give you three uh, blessings found in this benediction that apply to you and I, and I'd encourage you to write these down if you're, if you're able to, don't have a baby sitting on your lap on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write some things down. Here's uh, point number one, and we'll go through this as quickly as we can tonight. The first blessing in this benediction that Paul gives us is that we have access to God. Because of our salvation, we have access to God. Notice what he says there in verse number 12, Ephesians three twelve, in whom we have boldness, notice these words, and access with confidence by the faith of him. He says, we have access to God. And again, this is not something, this is something that is uh, new for New Testament believers. Because in the Old Testament, not anyone just had access to God. You had to go to the temple, you had to go to the priest, you had to do certain things in order to be able to have access to God. But in the New Testament, you and I being in Christ, we have access by faith of him. And this is something that he's already kind of been talking about. If you notice in chapter 2, look at verse number 18. The Bible says this, For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. So one of the benefits that we get 
as a believer. And one of the blessings that we have, and in, in Paul lists in this benediction, is the fact that we have access to God by faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to keep your place there in Ephesians. That's obviously our text for tonight. Go with me, if you would, to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5. And if you start at the end of the New Testament and you head backwards, you're going to have the book of Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John. Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John. And go to 1st John, and I want to give you some thoughts in regards to the access that we have to God. And, and really, the access that we have to God is through prayer. The access that we have to God is through prayer. And when it comes to prayer, prayer, uh, I believe that most Christians, most of us, and I'm including myself, fail when it comes to prayer, fail when it comes to the privilege that we have to having access with God. And I want to point out to you, when you study these, the prayer uh, passages in the New Testament, there, there are several things we could look at. We could spend a whole series on prayer, and we probably will at some point on a Sunday night. But uh, I want to point out to you just some failures in regards to prayer. And the first one is this, the biggest failure in prayer, the, the biggest failure when it comes to my personal failure in prayer, your failure if you are failing in prayer, um, the biggest failure in prayer is the failure to pray. The biggest failure we have in prayer is just the fact that we don't do it. And this is a theme that we see in the New Testament regarding our access to God. First John chapter 5, look at verse 14. First John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. First John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. Notice what he says. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. The Bible says that you and I have a confidence that we know that we have access to God and that we can ask anything according to His will and we know that God hears us and we know that whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired. So what is, what is He saying here? Here's what He's saying. We know that God hears us, so when we fail at prayer, we fail at prayer because the biggest failure in prayer is actually the failure to pray. Go to uh, the book of James, James chapter number 4. You're there in 1 John. If you just keep going backwards, you've got 2 Peter, 1 Peter, James. 2 Peter, 1 Peter, James. James chapter 4. Now look, the faster you turn, the faster we get to the potluck, all right? So James chapter 4, and, and look at verse number 2. James 4, 2, the Bible says this, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, and here's what James says. He says, yet you have not. Why? Because you ask not. The biggest failure in prayer is the, 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 the failure to actually pray, to actually ask, to actually go to God in prayer. You don't have to turn here. Let me just read this for you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, if you want to jot it down. Jesus said this, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. And here's what the Bible teaches, and here's the point that I'm trying to make tonight. It's this. You and I, Paul would say, you and I have a blessing. We have a benefit that comes with our salvation. And you say, well, what is that blessing, Paul? And he would say, you have access to God, Almighty God. 
And not only do you have access to him, he wants you to ask him. And we have a confidence, John would say, that if we ask anything of him, we know that he hears us and we know that he desires to give us our petitions. Now, look, if you had a rich uncle and your rich uncle said, hey, anything you need, as long as it's not something that I'm totally against, as long as it's according to my will, but if you ever need help, if you ever need anything, if you ever find yourself in a tight spot, just give me a call. I'm here to help. I mean, how often would you call? Probably every first of the month, you know, every time rent's due or mortgage is due. You know, how often would you call if some millionaire somewhere just said, hey, I've got resources, I've got power, I've got ability, anything you need. But here's the funny thing. You and I have that. We don't have a rich uncle. We have a rich father. We've got God Almighty who says, hey, you have not because you ask not. I'm here and you can ask. And the biggest failure that we have in prayer is actually just a failure to pray. Because he says, look, you have not, because you ask not. Now, there's a second failure in prayer, because some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute, I prayed, and I didn't get the answer. There's another failure in prayer, and it's this, that we ask for the wrong things. Are you there in James? Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. Now, that word amiss means wrongly or inappropriately. He says, ye ask... He just got done telling us in verse 2, you fight in war, you have not because you ask not. He says, you don't have because you don't have. And then he says this, he says, and when you do ask, you don't receive it because you ask amiss. You ask wrongly. You ask inappropriately. Why? That you might consume it upon your lust. And here's what he's saying. You have to ask appropriately. You have to ask the right prayers. You're, you're there in James. Go back to First John, if you would, just where we were a second ago. Again, if you're in James, you're going to go 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 14. 1 John 5, 14, notice what the Bible says. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, here's the key words, according to His will. He heareth us. So look, you've got to ask, and you've got to ask according to His will. So, look, if you're, if you're asking God, help me win the lottery, help me win the lottery, you shouldn't be gambling, okay? He's not going to answer that prayer. That's not according to His will, you know? But if you have a legitimate request from God, it's according to His will, it's something He desires for you, God says, I want to answer your prayers, I want to uh, be there for you, but the failure in prayer is oftentimes our failure to pray, and the next failure in prayer is that when we do pray, we ask amiss. We ask inappropriately. We ask that we might consume it upon our own lust. Go back to Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to notice another thing here in regards to our access to God. Not only do we have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ, but we're also encouraged to come boldly and confidently and, for, and to ask for big things. Notice what he says in verse 12. In whom we have boldness. And access. He says we have access, but we also have boldness. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. We have boldness and we have confidence in our asking. We should be able to come to God and ask not only the fact that we have access to God, but we should come boldly and with confidence. Notice verse 20, Ephesians 3.20. Just skip down to verse 20 just because I want you to notice this. We're going to walk through this passage together, but just skip down to verse 20 just because I want you to see this. 
Verse 20 is one of my favorite verses in, in the entire Bible. It says this, Now unto him that is able, notice, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God says, look, Paul says this, I want to give you a benediction as we close out this section. I want to list off some blessings, some benefits that you have in the Christian life. And you would ask, well, what are those benefits, Paul? And he would say, you have access to God. We have confidence that he hears us. And God wants you to ask big. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And the problem, the problem we have is that we don't ask, we ask amiss, and then we don't ask big. I mean, God says, uh, come to me asking something big. Go to Hebrews chapter number two, uh, 4, if you would. Hebrews chapter 4. If you kept your place in James, I'm not sure if you kept your place in James, but if you kept your place in James right before James, you have the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. And while you go there, let me, turn to, uh, let me read to you from 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 10. This is, one of, this is another great verse. This is, of course, Elijah is getting ready to be taken up in a whirlwind to heaven. And he asks Elijah, or he tells Elisha to ask him for something. And Elisha, of course, asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Now, Elijah was not just, you know, just some a normal, uh, you know, believer. Elijah was a great prophet of the Lord. He did a lot of great miracles. He, he, the power of God was upon him. He did a lot of great things. He called fire down from heaven. He revived people from the dead. He did wonderful things for God. And Elisha says to Elijah, because Elijah says, what do you want before you leave? What do you want? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. I mean, asking for just the same portion of your spirit, I think would have been enough. But he says, I want a double portion of your spirit. And this is the response, 2 Kings 2.10. And he said, thou has asked a hard thing, nevertheless. And I love that. He says, you've asked a hard thing, Elisha. You've asked for a double portion of my spirit. That's difficult. But then he says, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And here's what God is saying to all of us, that we should go to him in prayer and that our prayers should make God say to to us, you've asked a hard thing, but I can do it. You've asked a hard thing, nevertheless, because God is exceeding abundantly above all that we ask for things. So look, when it, don't get discouraged with the hard cases. People always want to talk about the hard cases. Oh, that guy's never going to get saved. He's a hard case. And look, we understand that we can't force anybody to get saved and they have to come to that place. Or people talk about, oh, my kids, you know, uh, they're, they're never going to get right with God or my marriage is never going to get fixed or my finances. Look, God says that we have access to him and then he tells us, just ask for something hard. Ask for something difficult. Ask for something. Don't you understand? Paul would say that God is exceedingly abundantly above, uh, able uh, to do above all that we ask or think. He says, I can give you more than you can ask for. He said, I can give you more than you've even thought about. He said, I can do great things. Are you there in Hebrews 4? Look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And again, the idea is this, that you and I, and this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm giving you a list of blessings and this is a benediction and I'm giving you some benefits uh, to your Christian life. And it's this, that you have access to God. He says, in Hebrews, we're told, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now keep your finger right there in Hebrews. We're going to come back to it. We go back to Ephesians chapter number three, if you would. And Paul has given us a list of these benefits, and I want to just point them out to you. The first one is this, that we have access to God 
through Jesus Christ. Here's the second blessing in this benediction, and it is that we have assistance from God. Not only do we have access to God, but that access gives us assistance from God. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says here in verse number 13. Because in verse 12, he says, don't you realize that you have access to God? And then in verse 13, he says, Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, I'm going through a difficult time right now, but I don't want you to faint. And I've always thought this was kind of interesting, how whenever I see this, I think people are just looking for an excuse to quit. It's one thing when you're going through tribulation and you quit because you're going through tribulation. It's another thing when someone else is going through tribulation and you quit because they're going through tribulation. I mean, it's like, okay, are you just looking for an excuse to quit on God? And here Paul says, he says, he, he, he says there in, in verse number 13, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Now you may ask, well, what tribulation is Paul going through? Because he's writing this letter of Ephesians, and he's talking about being blessed with all blessings and spiritual places and heavenly places. He's talking about God doing all these wonderful things for us. What is Paul going through? Well, notice verse 1 of chapter 3. I didn't talk about this last week because I want to talk about it this week. But Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1, notice what Paul says. He says, for this cause I, Paul, notice the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Now, what does that mean? Paul was in prison when he was writing the church at Ephesus. And he was in prison as a result of preaching and bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, he's going on. He's in prison, going through tribulation. And then in verse 13, he says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, He said, don't blame yourself for this, that I'm in prison because I was preaching the gospel, which is your glory. Notice what he says in verse 16, Ephesians 3 and verse 16. He talks about, actually, you know what, keep your your place there. Go go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I, I, I want you to notice this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. And I want you to keep your place in 2 Corinthians. Now, I, I realize you've got your place in Hebrews chapter 4, okay? I, I get that. But I want you to also keep your place in 2 Corinthians. We're going to just go back and forth a little bit. So if you can put a ribbon or a bookmark or uh, something in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I want you to understand that Paul was often going through troubles. And look, the Christian life is a life where we sometimes go through trials and tribulations. The prosperity gospel is a lie. The prosperity gospel is preached by false prophets like T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen, where they tell you that God's going to make you rich, and He's going to make you healthy, and He's going to make you wealthy, and you're going to be great, and nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. I don't know what Bible they're reading, but it's not, it's not our, the God's Bible. You're never going to get sick. If you're sick, if you're broke, it's because you're not thinking right, because you don't have enough faith. That gospel is a false gospel. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 5, notice what Paul said. He said, for when we were uh, come into Macedonia, notice what he says. He said, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. And I want you to notice what he says, because sometimes you and I, we can, we can kind of uh, uh, empathize with this. We've, we've felt like this before. We were troubled on every side. He says, without were fightings, within were fears. I mean, think about that. Paul is saying, I'm actively fighting the, the battles of the spiritual warfare. I'm active without our fightings, but inside, he said, I was, fa- I was fearful. Inside, I was scared. 
He said, without we're fightings, within we're fear. He said, we're troubled on every side. And here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, look, in the Christian life, sometimes it gets difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we go through troubles. But what he's telling the Ephesians, he's saying, look, here's a benefit that you have in the Christian life. And it's not just that you have access to God, but it is that you have assistance from God available to you. Look at Ephesians 3.16. We're going to come back to 2 Corinthians 7, but look at Ephesians 3.16. That he would grant you. Because remember, he just got them telling them, I desire that you faint not at my tribulation for you. I desire that you faint not at my tribulation for you. Then in verse 16, he says this, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit. Strengthened where, Paul? In the inner man. He says, here's a benefit you have. Here's a benefit you have. That though there are fightings without and sometimes fears within, you can actually be strengthened with might by, your, by the Spirit of God in the inner man. Look again at verse number 20. We already saw it for the prayer aspect, but look at it again in, in regards to this. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Notice, according to the power that worketh in us. According to the power that worketh in us. He's saying, Paul is saying, you have a benefit. In you, you've got the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God can renew you. The Holy Spirit of God can strengthen you. The Holy Spirit of God can help you through times of difficulty, through trials, through tribulations. Those things are going to happen. But realize, you can be renewed in the inner man. Go back to 2 Corinthians. I want you to notice how he says this to the Corinthians. You were in uh, chapter 7. Go to chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians 7 are kind of similar in the sense that Paul is dealing with some issues in life. Notice what he says, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Now remember, in Ephesians 3, we just got done reading, Paul is blessing the Ephesians in his benediction. He's saying, I want you to be strengthened with might by spirit in the inner man. He said, I want you to be, uh, uh, to be able to do, realize that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How does God do that? According to the power that worketh in us. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Notice what he says. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now the earthen vessels there is a reference to your body. And he's using this analogy. He says, you know, everybody wishes that they could find a plot of land out there, some, some earth out there, and that they could dig and maybe find some treasure, some gold uh, hidden in, in, that, in that earth. But he says, your clay body, your body that's made out of dirt and out of dust, he says, there is a treasure in that body. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And notice the context, verse 8. We are troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You say, Paul, how can you be troubled on every side and not be distressed? You know what that means? Paul said, I'm troubled on every side. I'm not stressed out about it. And look, I'm not going to beat you up, but just understand that. You say, oh, I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out that everything that's happening... Well, then you're, you are bypassing a great blessing that you've got in you. The Holy Spirit of God can help you, can strengthen you. You can be strengthened in the inner man. And he says, look, I'm stressed out. Paul says, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. He said, we are perplexed. What does that mean? Paul says, we, I've got question marks, things that I'm not sure how this is going to work out. I'm not sure how this is all going to play out. I'm not really sure how everything is going to work out. He said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. 
Persecuted, yes, but not forsaken. Cast down, yes, but not destroyed. You say, well, Paul, how can I have that? Notice verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And Paul would say this. Paul would say this. You have a great blessing. He said, let me give you a benediction. You have a great blessing. What are they? What are those blessings, Paul? You have access to God the Father through prayer. And the greatest failure in prayer is the failure to pray. And you can come to God asking for big things. And you can ask for, uh, come to God asking for great things. And God, and we have this confidence that God would hear our prayers. And then Paul would say this. He would say, you also not only have access to God, but you have assistance from God. And he said, you can be troubled on every side and not be distressed. You can be perplexed and not necessarily have to be in despair. You can be persecuted and know that you're not forsaken. You can be cast down and not be destroyed, but it's done through the inward man. And you don't have to turn there, but again, we read it already, Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain, uh, uh, that we may obtain mercy, and here, here's, here's the key words, and find grace to help in time of need. And Paul would say these are benefits. These are benefits. And sometimes I think you and I, we, we kind of, you know, just discount these things. And we're, we're Christians, and we believe in God, and we called upon Him in faith. But, you know, I don't know, does this prayer thing really work? And you never say that, but we live like that. Because if we actually believe that God would answer our prayers, I think we'd take the time to pray. And, and then we say, oh yeah, I got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. But you're always stressed out. You're always in despair. You're always thinking the sky is falling and everything's destroyed and nothing's going to happen. And Paul, Paul says, look, I can't control the outside, but the inside is under control by the Holy Spirit. So he says you have access to God. And then he says you have assistance from God. And then he says this, and here's the third blessing. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 14, and let me, let me give it to you. The third benefit in this benediction or the third blessing in this benediction is this. That we not only have access with God and we not only have assistance from God, but we also have acceptance with God. And that we have been accepted with God. And he brings up this idea of being accepted into the family of God. Notice verse 14. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And he brings up this idea that you and I, when you and I got saved, we were born again, right? Born again into the family of God. God became our father, but guess what? We got, we, 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 we got put into this new family. We have all these spiritual brothers and sisters in heaven and on earth. The whole family in heaven and earth is named. Notice he t- mentioned this in chapter 1. Look at verse 10. Chapter number 1 and verse 10. He says this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And here's what he's saying. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, a benefit you have in Christianity is that you have acceptance from God, you've been accepted into his family, and now you have a family both in heaven and on earth. I remember my dad saying this to us when we were kids, but 
when, when we when we we moved, I was we're, I was born in Venezuela. My family was born in Venezuela, and we moved to the U.S. And we moved to the U.S. Uh, they knew some people that had gone done missions work in Venezuela, and they connected with them here. And and we we were. Every, everywhere we ever lived and gone, we were able to find a, an independent Farmer Baptist church and uh, get plugged in, and it was just family. You know, people we didn't even know. It's just immediately family. I travel the country preaching in different places. I go preach all sorts of places. I go to places I've never been before. I meet people I've never, been, uh, I've never met before, but instantly we're family. And what is it that unites us? It's Christ. And what we have in, in, in God is not only access and assistance, but acceptance. We are in the family of God. Paul would say this in Romans, that now through the spirit of adoption, we're able to cry, Abba, Father. And that we're able to go to God the Father and not just go to Him as some sort of, you know, high and holy God, though He is, that we don't only have to go to Him in that way, but we can just use a term of endearment like Abba. And just say, Dad, Daddy, and Father. And, you know, let me just speak to a moment because Paul, and, and I didn't do this in, in chapter 1 and I, and I want because I wanted to do it in this chapter. He talks about it in chapter 3 and, he, and, 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 and it's there in chapter 1, this idea of being accepted by God. And, you know, in our lives sometimes, and, and for many of you and, and some of us, and I can say us because I would put myself in this category, we're fortunate to not, to not have this. But some of you, in fact, many of you, have suffered rejection at the hands of your family. Maybe it was your spouse who rejected you or left you or broke trust or hurt you in some way. For some of you, it was your parents who've rejected you. Some of you have been rejected by your parents just recently, just because of Christianity. Some of you were rejected by your parents even as children. Maybe you don't even know your dad or your mom, or you barely know them. And that hurt and that tension can be something that you'll carry through life. But you know what's interesting is that in the Bible, and I'm not going to take the time to go through, through it, but I'll just give you these verses and, and you can jot them down and, and look at them later. When it comes to our family, we might be a reproach. But you know, in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, you know what, what, God, what word God uses to describe you and I? Our family says we're a reproach. God says you're blessed. In Ephesians 1 and verse 4, our, your family, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, you might have been unwanted, but you know in God you're chosen. In Ephesians 1 and verse 6, you might have been unloved, but by God you're beloved. In in Ephesians 1 and verse 11, your parents might have thought of you as a mistake, but God says you were predestinated. In Ephesians 1 and verse 13, your family and that relationship might have made you insecure, but in Christ you are sealed. In Ephesians 1 and verse 14, you might have been felt like you were of no value, but God says, I've redeemed you. I purchased you. I bought you with a price. And here's what I'm telling you. A benefit that you get as a Christian is that you, may, maybe your family rejected you, maybe your, uh, your father rejected you, your mother rejected you, your spouse rejected you, but God says, I've accepted you into the family. And he says, you do have value. You're not a mistake. In fact, I predestinated you. And you're loved, and you're chosen, and you're blessed, and you're sealed. He says, look, you, you, and Paul would say this, Paul says, you, you have a benefit of acceptance with God. You're accepted in the family. And because you're accepted in the family, you're loved. Notice what he says in Ephesians 3 and verse 16. 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And that's what you need. That's what I need. To understand and to do our best to comprehend the love of Christ, the love of God, to be rooted and grounded in that love. And then he says this in verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And he's talking about the love of God. He says, look, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. He says that, the, uh, that you may know the love of Christ. And he, he describes the love of Christ as something that is so encompassing. And that is something that uh, connects you to God and that surrounds you in God. And I'd like you to go to the book of Psalms. Let me just uh, do this real quickly and uh, we'll try not to take too much time. Go to Psalms. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center. And while you go there, let me just read a few verses to you and, and, and give you an idea here. Ephesians 3 and verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. It's interesting to me because he uses these words to describe. He says breadth, length, depth, height. He says, I want you to know the breadth. I want you to know the length. I want you to know the depth. I want you to know the height. Let me just give you some verses. I'd like you to look at some of the Psalms and some of these, you won't look at them. You can jot them down. When we talk about the breadth of the love of God, what does that word mean, breadth? It's an older word, but it means broad. The modern way that you and I would say it would be broad, or we would use the word wide. It is a distance of measurement from side to side as something wide in range. And Paul talks about the breadth of the love of God and the breadth of the love of Christ. You say, well, how wide is the love of Christ? Well, John 3.16, most famous verse of the Bible says, For God so loved the world. Say, how, how, how wide is the love of Christ? It's wide enough to encompass the whole world. He's the Savior of the whole world, especially those who believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then He talks about the length of the love of God. What's the word length means? It's the measurement or extent of something to the end of it. How long it is. From the point of measurement to the end of it. And you say, well, how long is the length of God? How long will it last for? How long will it go? Well, First John 2.25 says this, and this is the promise that He hath promised us even eternal life. You say, how long is the love of, of God? It's, it's long enough, it's wide enough, it's broad enough to encompass the entire world. You say, well, how long is it? It's long enough to last eternity. It's long enough to guarantee you eternal security. It's long enough to guarantee you that the promise of God will never run out. It'll last for all of eternity. You say, what about the depth of the love of God? Well, the word depth means the distance from an object to the bottom. It's how deep something goes. Well, how, how deep does the love of God go? Psalm 86, look at verse 13. If you're there in Psalm, Psalm 86 and verse 13, For great is the mercy toward me, Psalm 86, verse 13, For great is thy mercy toward me. Notice, And thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Say, so how, how wide is the love of God? It's wide enough to encompass the whole world. And by the way, that's why we don't believe. We're not Calvinists. We don't believe that God died for some people and He chose some people and some people. Look, He chose everyone. For God so loved the world. 
How, how, how wide is his love to encompass the entire world? How long is his love to last for all eternity? How deep is his love? It goes down to the deepest hell. It'll deliver your soul from the lowest hell. Because look, before you were saved, you were already under the wrath of God. You were already condemned, but the love of God, you know what? It'll sweep you down, and it'll sweep you out, and it'll reach down to the lowest hell. What about the height of the love of God? Well, look at Psalm 139. You're there in Psalm 86. Psalm 139. Psalm 139 and verse 7, the Bible says this, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? Notice what he says in verse 8. If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. You say, how, how, how high is it? It goes all the way to heaven. If you ascend up into heaven, thou art there. And look, this is something that is extremely comforting. The fact that the love of God, it'll, it'll encompass the whole world. It'll, it'll encompass your life to the end. It can take you down from the lowest hell and it'll take you up to the highest heaven. And it can be comforting, but sometimes it can also be something that we question. And let me just help you with something. Because what I found in the Christian life is that sometimes when we have those tribulations, right, that Paul's talking about, we have those times of trials and troubles. We have trials all around us without our fightings, within our fears. You know what we like to do? We like to be like Jonah and run. And let me tell you something about running from your problems. When you start running from your problems, you'll never stop. Because the truth is this, you can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. Jonah learned that lesson, didn't he? He ran from God, but when he got on the middle of the sea, you know who was there? God. You can run from God. You cannot outrun God. God is, when you got saved, you say, that's a blessing. It's a blessing if, you, if you're trying to be right with God. It's not a blessing if you're trying to run away from God. But realize this, whether you're right with God or whether you're running from God, you can run, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't outrun. Because the love of God is wide enough to encompass the whole world. It's long enough to last through eternity. It's deep enough to snatch you from hell, and it's high enough to take you to heaven. Go to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. We're almost done. Romans 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And by the way, this is why we sing about the love of God, right? It's wonderful. Say, I, I don't feel loved. You're loved by God. It's all you need. The blessings we have, the benefits we have in God, what are they? We have access to God. We have assistance from God. We have acceptance in God. We sing about the love of God and how great it is. We just sang a second ago, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. It's the love of God. Romans 8.38, notice what Paul says. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Romans 8.38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And this is a benefit, Paul would say. 
Paul would say, let me give you a benediction. We're getting ready to finish up this kind of deep section, the predestinations, the chosen, the beloved, the, 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 the dispensation of grace. Is that we're getting ready to end this section of Ephesians, and let me give you a quick benediction and give you a quick blessing. You say, what are the blessings, Paul? Here are the blessings. You have access to God, you have assistance from God, and you have acceptance from God. And your whole life can be falling apart all around you. And Paul would say, you're not alone. God is with you. You can be strengthened in the inner man. Notice what he says as he ends the chapter. If you go back to Ephesians 3, where we'll finish here. Ephesians 3, verse 19. He says this. And it's really interesting because in verse 18 he says this. Uh, and actually look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. He says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. And then he says this, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And he, he said, well, you want us to know it, Paul. And then you tell us that it passeth knowledge. And here's what he's saying. We can know the love of God, but we'll never understand it. He says, you can know that God loves you intellectually. You can know that God loves you as high as heaven and as low as hell for all eternity and encompassing the whole world. But honestly, You'll never really understand why God would love a sinner like you and me. And then notice what he says there in verse 21. And to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages without world, without end. Amen. And he gives this benediction. And he says, look, you, you, there are some blessings, there are some benefits that you've received in Christ. You have access to God, and you have assistance from God, and you have acceptance with God. And then Paul would end by saying this. He says, because of that, you and I need to give glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Amen. He said, we always have a reason to glorify God. We always have a reason to praise God. We always have a reason to be glad that we're in the family of God because we have access and assistance and acceptance in and with God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. And thank you for this book of Ephesians. And Lord, thank you for this benediction from the Apostle Paul. I'm glad that he didn't skip it. And Lord, I'm glad we didn't skip it. And we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And even in this last section where it seems like it might just be kind of religious talk and just fluff, there's some truths there that Paul wants us to know. There are some benefits and some blessings that we have received through Christ. And Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to take advantage of them. Help us not to fail at prayer by failing to pray. Help us, Lord, to get assistance from God when we need it, when there are fightings without and fears within. And Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to always realize that we're accepted. No matter where we feel rejected or where we feel hurt and unloved, you've chosen us, you've predestinated us, you've called us beloved, you've adopted us, you've redeemed us, you've purchased us. And in Christ, we have value. Father, we love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.